Everything's just too confusing. It is. Speaking of confusing. Hi. Hello. I think a frith casts you. Me too. Or going to be shortly. Yeah. So the I thought. The stalk comes along and puts it under a gooseberry bush. <laughs> so I thought what would be a really good idea is if we sort of just gather round down the virtual campfire. Yeah. In the virtual clearing. We can do that. With the egg ogs. Yeah. And Earl. And Earl. And a biscuit tin. And a biscuit tin. And drinks of choice. Drinks of choice. Give the fire a poke. Yeah. Get it, get it like kindled up a bit and, and, and kind of a bit whooshing. Now, I know it's been a hot evening, hot afternoon. It has. Right, so we don't want to like go completely overboard on the fire, on the campfire, but obviously it gets a bit cooler in the evenings. As time goes on, it gets dark, it gets colder. It does. And you still need your fire for your marshmallows. You do. Which are very important. They are. There's warming of knees. Also important. Which has to be done, and toasting of marshmallows, which does not, oddly enough, get a mention in the Havamal, despite its importance. Mm, you're right, does not. saying that's a failing of the Havamal, I'm just saying, you know. Don't get mentioned. It's one of them things that you sort of come in after the fact and it's like, you know, oh here's a new thing. Like the toasting of marshmallows. Like should we should we do an addendum? I mean you could. There's been versions of Havamals over the years, so I mean you could put one with marshmallow toasting in it. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's not probably going to be the topic for this evening, is it? Maybe not. No. I mean it could be. What are we going to talk about instead? Well, we have a variety of infinite infinites. Mm-hmm. We got one of them, you know, posh space pictures that shows us how infinite the infinites is. They're a bit good, aren't they? They're a bit good. So, you know, our conversations about and around the divine and with each other are also infinite. This is true. Yeah, that one with the with the um, the lensing. Mm. The uh, the gravitational lensing is absolutely fantastic. They are a bit of a mind bend, and I do like them. Mm. Yeah. So we probably ought to say now everybody's kind of in and round the virtual campfire, and yeah, give or take, maybe ready to go a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. got drinks of choice, got nice warm knees, had a bit of maybe it's been a bit of a mad day, and you just need a bit of time to settle around the virtual campfire. Maybe it's about to be a mad day and you need some time to settle around the virtual campfire. <laughs> Either way, yep. it's all good. Do the thing. Do the thing. Welcome around the virtual campfire. You know the drill. Warm the knees. Get the drink of choice. 
figure out which way round the biscuit tin is going, snag one as it goes past. It's all good. Lovely listeners, welcome to Frithcast, episode 134. 134 it is. It is. And for some reason I'm now I've now got the guy off bullseye shouting 134 and I don't know why he would because he only ever used to chat about 180 didn't he? They do tend to they make a big excite noise at 180. Yeah but never mind that was that was just in my head there just briefly. You know it's like three pointy sticks in a bottle cap size worth of bristles and you're off. I think it's oh it's three treble twenties isn't it? Yeah. Because it's like you don't get as much you sh- you kind of feel like you should get the most points for the the bit in the middle. Yeah. But you don't. You get the bo- the most points for the for the bit like halfway up the board. Yeah. Very confusing. Yes. Anyway. And also maths. Also maths. Yes. Mostly subtraction, I understand. Yeah. And occasional bits of timesing and subtraction. Oh, timesing. Yes. No. Multiplication. Unnecessary. No. <laughs> don't do it. My poor teachers. Used to spend, spent, must have spent years and years and years of their lives trying to beat the multiplication tables into me. And it never worked well. None of them ever really stuck. I managed twos and I managed tens and probably fives, but that's really about it. When you get to things like sevens and stuff. It gets a bit confusing. Why? 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 Nines isn't so bad. Nines is, nines is the one with a trick, isn't it? It is. It's got an awesome trick to it. And I discovered it way after I left school, which is, was no help whatsoever. <laughs> I had to just stick with the idea of memorising the whole thing till past the maths tests and then forgetting it all promptly. Yeah, that's about the way I tackled education, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah, basically. Just, oh, just actually learn it. Just memorise the grid of answers. Scrape through your exams. <laughs> yeah, did that. Skin of your teeth. Did that, did that. And then and then just leave and never look back. Yes. Hello, lovely listeners. That's Hello. not an instruction Hello. to leave the virtual no. campfire, lovely people. No. Stay with us. We're going to go places. Um, Stay right yeah. here. Yeah. I'm half your hosting team. My name's Suzanne Martin. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff. And occasionally some of it's useful. I'm roughly about a quarter of your hosting team. Um... <laughs> That leaves us short a bit. Well, I'm just I'm not I'm not that good. I'm um I'm I'm Kate and I live here. So Coffee powered druid Coffee powered druid. Uh all although currently a uh camomily uh tea. Camomily tea powered druid Camomily tea powered druid. It's chamomile. I know it's chamomile, I'm being facetious. Um it's daisies, basically. It's a drink made out of daisies, which is frankly weird but you know uh anyway yeah so i'm i'm here as well um and good luck to you (laughs) (laughs) so before we get going for today's episode we just want to take a moment of your time just to pause and say hello hail and welcome especially big welcome to all our lovely friends and the fabulous people at awaken the north hello you hello you people hello you lovely people Pull up a log, you know the drill. If you're looking for an inclusive and vibrant heathen community, which is online, lots of specialist rooms in the Discord, Facebook page, website, all of that good jazz, maybe take a look at Awaken the North. 
The entire kitten. Yes, most yeah. of it. Um, just do a, just run a, run a search on Awaken the North, and you should find a yeah. website there. Mm. Uh, links to Discord and all of that good get, stuff. Get involved. Yeah, we've been thinking about the things we said in our last episode, and we were talking in our last one about maybe the things that we would want from our religious leaders, the things that we might expect, what we might expect from them in the future, if we are considering a call to become a religious leader a faith lead how might that take shape and what kind of things we might have people expect of us how that all you know how it all fits together and how it works and that kind of got me thinking in modern heathenry there is a huge emphasis on academia huge monstrous emphasis on academia and maybe this episode we wanted to look a bit about the influence that academia has, where you might try and find it, what kind of things, you know, how do we take a high academic archaeological or early medieval historical conference speaker and take the research that they're showing and incorporate that into our own very individual daily faith practice? Mm. How is that? How do we breach that dissonance that's between those two things? The academic view of of things tends to be I want to say, I want to say abstract. That's not quite the word, but it's very detached by by nature. Yes. Um, because they're sort of they're studying this thing in a historical context, and whereas people who have a who are following a, a path in the modern world, how do you incorporate? Do you incorporate? When do you incorporate and when don't you? The information that's being... What value um, do you put on academic study? Dug up. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. that was good. How uh-huh. long have you been saving that one? That was uh-huh. good. Too long. Mm. Too long for it to be called wit. Too long for living with an archaeologist. <laughs> Can't believe you haven't used that one before. <laughs> so I'm just thinking about, just thinking about Blackadder now in the second series. When he's trying to sell his house and he's he's being all sharp tongued with the potential buyer, and uh, and the guy says this, this hapless bloke says to him, "You've really worked out your banter, haven't you?" And Blackadder looks to him and says, "No, not really. This is a different thing. It's spontaneous and it's called wit." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, it it, it interests me. Um, you know, obviously we 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 have. I am not an academic person by nature. I never have been. I learn things in a very kind of haphazard sort of way. So I tend to, I mean, obviously when you tell me about some new theory or some new discovery or what have you, I learn about it. Mm-hmm. But by and large, for me, and, it, and it's the same with the, it's the same with, with things Roman. For me, it's like um, I will read about it in books and whatever, because, you know, the interest is there, but... It's like, what bits are important for today? Yeah, so it's it's more akin to... I mean, we place great weight on academia, and I've noticed that in the communities that anybody who has studied at university level, at undergraduate degree, at master's level, the height of heights being the doctorate... Indeed. Anybody who has those qualifications speaks with the... Is, is understood to speak with a weight mm. that maybe somebody without that study or without that qualification, even if they are speaking the same true words, doesn't have the same assumption of weight 
of, of learned scholarly thing behind them. Yeah. Especially if that qualification, that degree, that master's, that doctorate is in early medieval studies, it's in Scandinavian studies, then that's got that automatic assumption that those words are more true than somebody who's been living the path for five years, ten years, fifteen years. Mm. And we place, I've noticed we place a great weight on academia in lieu of the fact that maybe we don't have a central single text, um, holy book, scripture. No. We don't have that, but we're still looking to those keepers of knowledge to help us understand more about Mm. what we feel and how we feel it. It is, I suppose, in a way, it's what what sort of, for want of a better word, scripture you have as heathens is, if I say fragmented or maybe distributed, I should say, because if you look at something like the Bible, um, you've got a single book there mm-hmm. which incorporates all sorts of rules for how to live, all sorts of you know, again, I use the word advisedly, but history, at least the mythic history of the of the faith. Mm. Um, all sorts of information about the nature of the deity and so on. And to some extent, heathenry has all that, but it's all in different places. Mm. So you have the Havamal, but the Havamal is primarily how to behave in... Yeah, the, the so, guest right section. Yeah, yeah it's... It, it, it seems it seems to be it's, so that's the that's the focus. The Havamal isn't necessarily sitting down and telling you this is what the gods did. But for that, you have the sagas that have been written down and the myth cycle and so on. Mm. But then, sort of, who wrote them down and when and under what influences and yeah and 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 and, and so on. Which I suppose, really, you know, yeah, you could say the same thing about the Bible, but that's all been sort of compiled and bound together as as one thing but there certainly seems to be a, a sort of heavy emphasis on the I say the science you know hmm. the excavations and the don't get me wrong I love me a good excavation oh, yeah yeah oh. sorry and obviously I know it's not all excavation you it's... illustrate that and I am very happy I know it's I know it's like ground scanning mm. lidar and all that kind oh of... give me a good lidar mm-hmm. oh I love that stuff. <laughs> but it's also, if you think, well, I'm not an academic, I'm not study-minded, then you think, well, how do I connect with the faith with the homework? Yeah. So an academic paper, to give you a really, really quick brief, it usually composes of several different parts. So an academic paper is generally somebody trying to prove a point of theory or argument, and they will do it in a fairly logical way. Okay. One paper, one argument, generally. Yeah. They might produce a series of papers illustrating a series of expanding arguments, but generally it's a theory, one per paper. One paper, one argument. One paper, one argument. One world, one people. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, right, so <laughs> academic paper, they're, they're generally... They can be quite short articles or they can be sort of 30 pages with all of your tables and numbers and, you know, diagrams and everything else in them. Yeah. But they tend to get published in themed journals. Okay. And some of these journals are available online. Some of them you need specific access to get to. 
and that's where it gets quite fun. So we'll go into a quick in, into a quick structure of what an academic paper looks like. So it will generally have a title on the front page, a set of authors or an author underneath that. Underneath that will be the abstract, which is kind of like your very, very quick summary of everything that paper contains. Yes. Yeah. So if you don't really want to spend your evenings reading 30 pages worth of paper a time... Or your money. Or your money, just read the abstracts. Mm. That will help you understand what theory they're proposing, what evidence they've got, and what conclusion they're drawing from that theory. Yeah. If you want to go into the article proper... After the abstract, you'll find the introduction where they tend to do things like boring things like define the terms they're using. Okay. So like, you know, by medieval Scandinavia, we mean this geographical area, this chronological period. So you know precisely where you're aiming for. Yeah. They will then do the middle part of the paper. And this tends to be premise, evidence, premise, evidence, premise, evidence. Therefore, then you get the conclusion part. We've done, you know, we've set out this premise and found it to be true, this premise and found it to be true, this premise and found it to be true, therefore, conclusion. Ta-da! And that's it done. That's it done apart from the end bit, which is all the other people's research they're using to back up their theory. Okay. So the references. And then somebody goes through and pokes little holes in all their premises. Oh, yeah, that's like, that's... That's the way you say hello when you're an academic. <laughs> That's the way you greet each other. Especially if you're about to go present a paper at a conference and somebody goes, oh, I wasn't really sure about that last theory of yours. And you're looking and thinking, oh, pants, that's what I'm about to present on. I am doomed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the structure of an academic paper. Now, academic research will often be in two states. Mm. You will find it, yes, you'll find it in journals, which are generally printed either quarterly or annually or monthly, where they gather a set of articles together and they print them in a cover. And universities will often have subscriptions to the journals so you can go in and physically see a paper copy. Yep. If you can get access to the university library. Okay. If you know the author and the, the title of the paper and the year it was published and the journal it's published in, you can go to an ordinary library and you might be able to order that specific paper in. Okay. Which is great. Might cost you a little bit, but you can still get access to it. But that's where most academic research is behind that. You must have a subscription to this journal or you must pay whatever it is, $20, 30 quid per article to get your hands on that research. I don't mean to be politically contentious here. What? are you and what have you done with my wife because <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to start any any fracas i don't want to start a fracas okay or a rumpus all right or anything but i kind of think it's a bit of a shame it's a little bit like the same with journalism that you often find that factual information well researched well evidenced reasoned through fact checked proper information is always behind paywalls yeah it's always something you've got to be subscribed to. Yep. You've got to, uh, you know, you've got to, you've got to pay to pay to get in there and have a look at it. And yet, absolute bullshit is available freely. Is available free in of charge. Large quantities. Yeah. Yeah. So there are two types of academic paper. You can set it to one of two states. When you write your academic paper, 
you can set it to publish in a journal and that journal will then earn its money by asking people to pay to access their content. Mm-hmm. That's how they earn their money to print the next issue to carry on printing issues. Yeah. The other thing that an author or authors of an academic paper can do is that they can pay additional money to the journal to have it what they call open access. Okay. So there's a lot more papers now are becoming open access research. Oh, good. Which basically means you can go online and you can read them for free. Nice. Yay. Bonus. There's still not a lot of them being open access research, but I've certainly noticed in the last couple of years, there's a larger volume of them becoming open access research. So when somebody writes a a paper like, say like Price's uh, BJ581 analysis and looking at the osteology of that grave, then that those little nuggets of information for for though for for anyone who may not recall that's the uh the grave that was found at Burka yes where the grave goods all suggested a uh warrior or military gentleman of some high yeah renown uh and yet examination suggested that the body was actually that of a woman well the bones were identified as well the female. bones but yeah, well, I that's, said body bones because yeah, that's a whole uh, yeah that's and that's all he actually said in that original paper and by that point it kind of got all over the place yeah so the knowledge all the, all the like tabloid that, all the tabloid newspapers banging on about Xena warrior princess and stuff yeah yeah so yeah then sometimes academic research like that makes it into the popular press mm. which can then academics can also not only just publish journal articles but publish books yeah through academic press and they're often doing that alongside teaching full-time at university Oof. so they're they're pretty much running the hamster wheel i was gonna say these people have some energy they they mostly have desperation and coffee <laughs> um so they write a book that might be a, a collected set of academic papers or essays, or they might be writing a, a book that contains their research and other people's research and expanding their theories from their paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might You might find that when they do their master's or PhD, their master's thesis might become an academic paper in its own right. Okay. Their, their, their PhD doctoral thesis may end up becoming a book in its own right. Wow. But how do we take and, what is published I, in academia? I can't even write a novella. <laughs> how do we take what is published in academia, which is often the majority of academics writing about the early medieval period or the Scandinavian history of Scandinavia are not heathen. So how do we take what they write and how do we incorporate that into our understanding of our gods how do we incorporate that into our understanding of our own theology how do we take something like bj581 or price's work on the sutton who helmet how do we incorporate that into our imaginings of what the gods look like or what that society looked like in order to give us a parallel to relate to you see my immediate my immediate reaction to that would be, I think, 
that that degree of detachment is probably a good thing. Yeah, because you get, you know, you do get Christian academics studying the Bible. Of course, yeah. I mean, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that. For example, if a if a heathen, um, if a heathen devoted themselves to 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 academic study of of the Norse period, or um, you know, I know one or two who have. Yes. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that that their conclusions or their discoveries or what have you are going to be less valuable or that they're going to be necessarily skewed by their beliefs. But I do also think when you think about the fact that the, was it the, which of the, was it an Edda or an Edda or two that was written by Christians? Stelson. Stelson. Yeah. Snorri Stelson. Snorri Stelson. Now, again, I'm not saying that that was necessarily, that that necessarily skewed what he wrote down. It may be that he was being absolutely faithful to the source material he was mm. getting hold of. By nature, by, by, by definition, his understanding is going to be a lens that he sees that information through. So us as heathens going to academia, even if we're picking up the latest book by Paxson, mm. or we're picking up an old favourite, like, you know, from the 80s, The Way of Weird, and we're looking at that, through the lens of our own faith, looking at that author's exploration, interpretation, understanding, yeah. whether it's fiction or non-fiction, how do we then relate to high academia, research papers, references, you know, where you get academic argument and then you get rebuttal and then you get counter argument. And some of those can last for decades. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... Like, there's back, there's huge, big sort of twos and fro's between academics that may choose to disagree with each other. And how do we then incorporate that? You know, do we understand one particular side of academia? And we think, yes, that's, that's where I am. But then when somebody brings a rebuttal against that... Yeah. Does that then change our understanding of that research? Or do we still stand by it? We have to grow as heathens we have no choice but to spiritually keep growing we can't stay still we can't read one book and decide we know the faith and that's it you've got to keep developing it you've got to keep expanding your path and deepening your connections and exploring continually exploring what that means to you and how you um how that translates to your day-to-day -day life but mm. where does for you lovely 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 listeners trash panda darlings <laughs> around the virtual campfire <laughs> and i now have an image of a lot of trash pandas with books yeah little little half moon glasses and yeah just turning there. the pages yeah, yeah but how do we relate to the theories that are put up in academia so maybe have a think about how you relate to the theories that are put forward in academia because we can go back to the primary sources. We can go back to the, the documents that are written at the time as few as they are when they're describing, written by Vikings and describing themselves. Mm. They're more often somebody else's description. How do we take that information? And then the academics that have come along and commented on that and proposed new theories on that where do we take those theories and put them into our own understanding of who the gods are to us? Yeah. And if we're not academically minded, where does our information come from? Does it come from 
you know, if we learn by watching, does it come from art? Does our connection come through creating art, through experiencing art? Does it come through discussing it with other people in mm. live discussions? Does it come through music? Does it come through song? Does it come through doing research? Does it come from doing having academic research run through a speech to text or text to speech mm. so that we can hear those academic papers? We might not have time in our daily lives to go and like sit and do six hours of study at the library. No. Who does? No. I really would like to, but it ain't happening. So where does that inf where do we choose to get our information from and how do we incorporate the study that is going on at the, the very highest level? Somebody's PhD is research that's taken them three years to complete. Yeah. Minimum. You know, if it's a part time PhD, then it's six years. And and even even that, it's still gonna percolate down. It's gonna take time. Yeah. But it will it... eventually come into books. It's like dinosaurs. It is like dinosaurs. When you think about feathery dinosaurs. Which are awesome. Which is it's just an awesome idea. And I I I was very I was very pleased when somebody You showed me a thing. Um I did. Earlier on and it was um it was a it was a, a set of graphics that somebody had drawn and it was dinosaurs as we used to imagine them. Like, like in the back 1800s. in the eighteen hundreds or yeah. thereabouts. Um, and then di the same dinosaurs as we imagined them in the sort of 1960s and 70s. Yeah. And then the same dinosaurs as we, as we believe they look now. Yeah. yeah. And the difference was extraordinary. And it was like, you know, you go from sort of the, the original versions were all sort of like Godzilla tail draggers. Yeah. Upright. You know, these great yeah. up upright things hauling the tails along the ground and, and, uh, and and yet and then the same one is 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 basically just a giant chicken. Yeah. Got a whole feather thing going on. Like the picture of the raptor. Yeah. And really stuff. big giant chicken. Really big giant chicken with, with huge gouging Yeah. Spiky things. But feathers and and so sort of you know, um so sort of sleek looking and Yeah. Darty around the place. Anyway, the point the point I'm making with the, the reference to the dinosaurs is that information will have taken a long time to come down to popular to cultures, us. Yeah. You know, the, the, the popular image of dinosaurs now is starting to show. I mean, most, you know, they even made a big fuss of it in the in Jurassic World, didn't they? In they the did. first of the Jurassic World movies. Um, you know, there was this whole point that they did about, you know, well, because people were saying, well, you know, the dinosaurs are, are, are still scaly. They haven't got feathers. They should have feathers. And they had, they actually had one of the characters say oh yeah but we 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 program them genetically so that they have scales instead of feathers because that's what people expect yeah you know so it's it takes it still takes time for this information to show up in the public consciousness let's say it does um for that information to filter down into the public consciousness at the same time that new piece of information filters into the public consciousness mm. academia is already like three or four years ahead and now we have this lovely, fabulous thing called the Internet. I've heard of it. Yes. And that has open access research on it. It has research papers, often even the ones behind a paywall or behind a journal access. You can read the abstract. Yeah. 
which is great because generally that that can pretty much give you a good idea of what that whole thing is about and you don't need to read the 30 odd pages with diagrams and pictures and everything else i mean you can if you want to but the I... abstract can really help you just get a quick glimpse of what that paper is about i use abstracts a lot when i'm arguing with people yeah yeah for like basic fact checking and stuff you know when when i'm having debates on the internet it's a call them debates I'm, I'm having a squabble with someone okay you know and they'll say oh such a such a have you not seen such a paper and i'll go and i'll all right let's have a look at such a paper then and the abstract will just tell you enough to to let you go actually that's not what the conclusion is at all yeah you're talking nonsense but but as you say it's going I'm, I'm not academic enough that i would be able to go in and read through the whole thing and understand all the diagrams and no, but you kind of don't need to. No. The abstract, if you're not a big research nerd, and I confess I probably am, but if you're not a big <laughs> research nerd or you just do not have the brain power to power through all of the academic research you ever want to read, because there is a lot of it now, a lot, then read the abstract and look at studying one specific area at a time. Yeah. And references, when you do get an open access paper, the references that they've used, if you skim down the references, you can then pick out the titles and authors maybe to another paper that you want to read that's connected to the one that you've just read. Yeah. Because it will be in there somewhere because it's in the references and that can help you then start that trail of research off. Um, by the way, when we say... When we talk about brain power, we're not necessarily saying intelligence. No. We're not saying, you know, if you're not intelligent enough to read. We're talking about brain Your power. Capacity how to much read. capacity you've got, how much energy you've got, how many, to, not to put too fine a point on it, how many spoons you've got. Yeah, how much you focus know. you have on any given day Yeah. to have the time and excess energy mm -hmm. to sit and read an academic paper. And some of them are pretty heavy going and some of them are quite dry. Yeah. So, yeah, big pro tip, read the abstract. And you can then get a good idea. I mean, even if you look at your favourite books, you look at books by Price, like The Viking Way, mm. there's a huge amount of references in the back that will give you starting places to look if you're interested in a topic. Yeah, And that can then... You don't just need to read it or absorb it in whatever way it is, whether it's video essay or whether it's you know, text-to-speech or whether it's sitting down and reading it a page at a time on your bus on the way to work in the morning. Mm -hmm. However it is you absorb that information, it's not just enough to absorb it. You have to give yourself time to reflect on it as well. Yeah. Because without... You can read an academic paper every hour on the hour for a week, but if you don't choose to do something with that information... The information is just kind of sat in your brain churning around and it's not actually helping you develop your practice. Mm. So, lovely listeners, maybe have a think about how you relate to research. We've talked about, you know, where do you get your research from and we've talked about credible sources, but maybe this episode focusing just on academia because I love me some good academia. <laughs> I especially love me some academia when the author has taken the time to make the title into a pun or pun or play on words. 
they are hilarious. Okay. I love those. I love it when the author actually shows me they're a human being and puts a little funny in the title somewhere and then goes into the research and you can see the passion that they have for that subject. If you go to an academic conference, and sometimes you can for nothing whatsoever, mm, nice. there are certainly early medieval conferences here in the UK that you can attend that are either online or they're in person and they don't cost anything to go. Yeah. Which is brilliant because then you can listen to the academics actually talking you through their own research in whatever it is. 20 minute paper, half an hour paper, an hour long paper. And they will follow the same format. They will give you an introduction. They will define terms. They will give you a middle section. They will give you a set of conclusions. So if you completely lose your way, tune in for about the last 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) They will probably give you a slide that says in summary or in conclusion, that's where you need to be right there. Here's your PowerPoint bullets. You know, premise, evidence, premise, evidence, evidence, (laughs) therefore, that's the bit you need to be awake for. So here in the UK, there is there are ones like the Higna thing. There is the Norse in the North conference, which is about academics who are just starting off their academic career and are just getting the hang of presenting in front of an audience. Yeah. So you go along and you be a very kind, supportive audience because they're a little bit nerve-wracked and they're not really sure how to do it and they just get up and have an absolute ball doing it. It's fabulous. But you also get to listen to the cutting-edge research as well. Yeah. Which is brilliant. And then after that, it's a case of taking that home with you, going over it in your mind, reflecting on it. Yeah. And what does it What does it do to your, your understanding, your practice? Well, yeah, what value does it add to where you are at the moment? And it yeah. might not immediately add any, but it might be that somewhere down the line, what you've just heard is the piece of a bigger puzzle. Yeah. And you'll think, oh, 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 I ah, get it now. suddenly. Okay, and there's that sudden click moment of realisation and you think, oh, okay. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. What happens if so-and-so's relation, you know, relationist theory relates to how I relate to the go? <laughs> yeah, and so sometimes academia can be it can be deliberately obtuse, it can be quite dense, it can almost be a language in itself. Yeah. But it can be worth even just starting to to dip your toes in a little bit in understanding that that's where our cutting-edge research is coming from. And granted, it isn't written by heathens for heathens, and we cannot tell you how to heathen. No. But nor are they trying to tell you how to heathen. They're not. And that's the, and no. that's the thing. In most, in most cases... They are not. They're they not, are not sort of pushing a point of view because they want to interfere with your theology. No. They are simply saying this is what we think the situation was, or this is what we think the practice might have been, or what have yeah. you, based on this evidence that we've dug up, or yes, um, yeah. or, or or what have you. And and as I, as I as I said before, I think that makes a big difference when because it. It doesn't necessarily proof you against bias, of course, you know, but it does make it less likely that somebody is 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 trying to skew deliberately a, a, trying to skew a, skew faith a finding opinion, yeah. or, or you know yeah. So yeah, there's a whole lot to think about. Mm. Lovely listeners, yeah. Grab another biscuit as the tin goes round. This is heavy stuff. <laughs> Have another drink of choice. Sit and ponder. 
around the virtual campfire, maybe for a little while longer. Have we got any of them weird pink wafer biscuits? Oh, I used like to, them pink wafer biscuits. You used to get them. Yeah, I haven't seen one of those in years. I saw party rings the other day. You know the ones mm. with the, like, the ice icing yeah, on them? Yeah, ice biscuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen them in so long. But you just don't see those little pink wafer... You get them in packs. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, yeah, because they used to come in like the multi-packs with different kinds, you know? Yeah, they migrate. Yeah, <laughs> they migrate. Oh, they're in packs. The great sponge migration. The great sponge migration! Egon, the biscuits migrated about a foot and a half. That's <laughs> <laughs> only because we're trying to keep it out of Earl's way. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so... Have a biscuit. Yeah. If a biscuit is your thing. Cookie. Yeah. Whatever. Cookie. Biscuit. Cookie. Yes. Biscuit. Apple. That's good too. Biscuits are, biscuits are cookies here. Cookies are biscuits here. I'm not saying either is wrong. I'm just saying if, if here, if you ask for a cookie, you get something specific. Yeah. It's like a sort of a kind of a, a gooey thing with chocolate chips or something. The American ones are. Like doughy. Yeah, you can get the sort of the gooey ones, the ones with the gooey bits in the middle. Yeah. Where they're kind of soft dough in the middle, or you can get the ones <sighs> that are hard all the way through and they're, they're a different kind of cookie. No, I don't want the hard ones. No. I want the ones that are gooey in the middle. I love those. But they're cookies here. Yeah. As opposed to biscuits. Yes. Which are... Not with gravy. Little crunchy things. No, not with gravy. No. That's not, it's not normally a thing here. Um, but they might have a layer of chocolate on them. Which I think is always a good a good thing. Everything is better with a layer of chocolate on it. The only exception being Jaffa cakes. They've and got a layer of chocolate on them. They have, but you don't put gravy on them either. There was a big argument about whether they were biscuits or cakes. That was all to do with the VAT because of tax. Yeah. Yes, and I remember. And I can't remember what they decided in the end, but I remember somebody somebody told me that the the way you dis distinguished was if you leave a cake out, it goes hard. It, when goes, it goes hard. Stale. Yeah. If you leave a biscuit out, it goes soft. Yes. That was the gist. Yeah. And I can't remember which they are anyway. Also, other vaguely orange flavored snack foods, snack biscuit cake food items are available and we are not sponsored by and do not necessarily endorse Jaffa Cakes by whoever makes Jaffa Cakes I can't remember It'd be a good job really is it McVitie's? might be I don't know yeah. I can't remember oh. anyway whoever yeah point is we're not being sponsored by anyone Still. At all. At all. We're not even being sponsored by a VPN. And everybody gets sponsored by VPNs. <laughs> Lovely listeners, we're going to leave you to that fabulous point. And we'll talk to you all next time. If you want to find us online, you can. My name is Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook and I'm also on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And if you want to find me, I am on Facebook uh, under Kate Coldwind. And uh, you can find our um, 
uh, Facebook page at uh, fb.com slash frithcastpod. From where you can find your way to our little group and our Discord server should you want to come and join us around the virtual, virtual campfire. Yeah, come and carry on these discussions. Come and say hi to the fabulous people that are around the virtual, virtual campfire. Lovely listeners, we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.